For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. How are you now? How are you now? I, I really want to know. I really want to know. Because your Montreal Canadiens defeat the Toronto Maple Leafs 3-1 in Game 7. After being down 3-1 in the series, they come back and beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're going to Winnipeg. They did it. They, they did it. I, I gotta admit... I, I honestly didn't believe that it was possible. I didn't. I, they did it. They did it. I'm speechless. I'm at a loss for words at this point. Uh, welcome to episode seven, which I didn't think we were going to get to, of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and I am doing terrific. I'm doing terrific. Just fantastic right now. H- how did they do this? How did they do it? Well, they forced the game seven, and I've been talking about it throughout the course of these podcasts. That in the early part of the series, they seemed to only have twenty good minutes in them, and then in games five and six, I felt like they had about forty good minutes in them, and then in game seven, they came through with a full sixty, just across the board, best game they've played in the entire series. First period, bit of a wash, not much happened, but they did manage to lead in shots. Uh, Carey Price looked great. They were getting decent chances, and they were not allowing very good chances from the Leafs. Most of their shots were coming up from the point. They were trying to like get it across there and get tips on it or something, and it wasn't working for them. Uh, we go into the second period, which has been the nemesis of the Montreal Canadiens in this series. They're bad with the long change. They get caught. They get hemmed in their own zone, and that did not happen this time. Right out of the gate, they looked considerably better than they normally do in that second period. Just over three minutes in, Brendan Gallagher comes in on the left wing, fires a shot, low and hard, beats Jack Campbell five hole. Campbell probably should have had that one. The the broadcast team, which we know to be Leafs leaning, thought he should have had it. But good shot by Gallagher, get pucks on net, good things will happen, excellent, up one nothing. They get a power play. Later in the period, Cole Caulfield draws a penalty. Go to the power play. Power play's been pretty bad all series long, all year long, really. And what do they get? Another greasy goal from Corey Perry. This one looked like it went off of his jock. I think it might have hit his knee, but we were talking about it in the EOTP chat. We thought it was a groin goal. 
but you take whatever you can get in a game seven, you need it. Habs are up 2 nothing. The Leafs start to press back. They start to press back. But the Habs hold serve. Push it into the third period and it stays 2 nothing, which is huge because the Leafs start the third with a power play of their own. What do the Habs do? They kill that off. The Leafs get another power play later on in the period. They kill that one off too. Carey Price standing on his head, stopping everything that the Leafs can possibly throw at him. And by the time the second power play was killed off by the Habs, there was very little time on the clock. So the Leafs, they had to pull Campbell a little bit earlier than they might have liked to because they didn't get one on that power play and they, they got two to get back in order to force this thing into overtime like they've done two times in a row before this. And what happens? Tyler Toffoli throws one from three-point range, super deep, and he puts them up 3 nothing with an empty netter. The Leafs get one more. They, they get one back super late, but it's too little, too late. The Habs complete the comeback. I, I can't believe it. I'm honestly pretty much speechless. I, I, I didn't think they could pull that off. I certainly didn't think that they were going to come out in Game 7 and have their best game of the season because, let's be honest, that was probably their best game of the entire season. It was definitely Carey Price's best game of the entire season. Carey Price, easily my player of the game for the Habs, Tempting to give it to Gallagher for getting on the board finally. Tempting to give it to Jake Evans for how good he was defensively. I mean, there, there was a few tempting options, but how, how could you not say that Gary Price was the best player for the Habs in that game? And really, ever since the Leafs went up 3-1 in the series, Price went god mode. He went back to Vesna Price. He went back to Hart Trophy Price. He went back to the level of play that still has many NHL players saying that he's the best goaltender in the game. He may not be the best goaltender in the game anymore, but he's up there, especially when he's playing like that. That is a guy who's worth every penny of the $10.5 million that they're paying him. And for as much heat as he takes over that annual average value of that contract, he proved that you get what you pay for. And if he can keep doing that, if he can take that same level of game to Winnipeg and beyond, I mean, I don't think everybody is ever going to be okay with that amount of money being paid to a goaltender because it is a lot. But if he can take them on a deeper run in these playoffs by playing like this, it's going to go a long way to having people finally shut up about how much he's getting paid, at least for a bit. At least for the at least for the rest of the off season, we might have to hear a little bit less about how he's overpaid. I'll tell you who is not and has never been overpaid in his entire career with the Montreal Canadiens is Brennan Gallagher. Finally finds the board again, like I mentioned earlier, maybe one that Jack Campbell should have stopped. But I think the bigger takeaway with Gallagher is that he seems to have his legs back now. He's he seems like that bottomless gas tank high running motor guy that we're used to seeing he's flying around out there he's getting super involved in the forecheck he does not look crazy tired at the end of his shifts like he was at the beginning of the series let's not forget this guy only had one AHL game after his injury to get ready for the playoffs and now he looks like he's in mid-season shape which is going to be huge for these Montreal Canadiens absolutely huge if they want to have a chance of beating the Winnipeg Jets and making this thing go even longer than people thought it could possibly go. They took 
Thomas Tatar off that line with um, Philippe Dano and Tatar has been a healthy scratch for the last two games. They replaced him with Jake Evans. That line was out there most of the time against who else but Ron Jeremy cosplayer Austin Matthews. And what did they do? Well, he was pretty much invisible. I mean, you could see him out there. He was getting some shots off and looking like Ron Jeremy and shit, but he didn't score. He didn't score. And that was the one task. If if they had a chance against this team, it was limit the amount of damage that Austin Matthews can do. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, um, limit the amount of damage that they can do. And they did that. They did that. Marner barely did anything all series. I mean, you have to give a massive amount of credit to that top line for being able to pull that off and a massive amount of credit to Philippe Dano. That guy is probably not going to get the amount of money that he deserves for what he's able to do because he doesn't have the gaudy offensive totals and he wasn't really involved offensively very much in that series. But make no mistake about it, if Carey Price is the MVP of the series, Philippe Dano is a close second or third for what he was doing defensively against Austin Matthews' line. Before the series, Sheldon Keefe said something to the effect of, I don't need to worry about who I put Austin Matthews out against. But you saw throughout the course of that series that that wasn't really the case. He was trying very hard to avoid Philippe Dano wherever he could. If the Habs iced the puck while the Matthews line was not on the ice and they had, I don't know, Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield out there, you saw Matthews jump over the board so fast it wasn't even funny. And the Habs were doing everything in their power to make sure that Dano was on the ice when Matthews was on the ice. And it worked. It, it worked. I honestly gotta maybe eat some crow and say that Dominique Charme uh, coached a great series, especially in those final three games to make that comeback. I mean, he was getting the right people on the ice at the right time. Uh, putting Jake Evans on with Dano was a brilliant move. I mean, that, that, that trio with Gallagher was really able to shut down the Leafs. And he just adjusted far better than I thought he could. I mean, after the Game 4 loss on the podcast, I was talking about, you know, maybe I would vote to not bring him back next year. After the way he recovered... I'm I'm not 100% sold, but I'll tell you what, I'm a lot more sold than I was. A lot more sold than I was. I, I'm willing to see what he can bring against Winnipeg and reserve my decision for later and, and say that I, I kind of want to take back what I said, at least for the moment. At least for the moment. I am a Habs fan, so my opinion is subject to change at every possible moment of the day. Uh, right now, I'm just feeling great. Feeling great. And while I'm at it, I should probably sit here and eat some crow on another Habs person that I've been a little bit harsh on, and that is uh, Marc Bergevin. As I still believe that he has to own the flaws in this roster, which have been exposed throughout the course of the year, because he built the roster. But it must also be said that he built a roster that is clearly greater than the sum of its parts, that was able to come together and, and pull off this magical comeback against the Leafs. I mean, I don't necessarily think that should save his job, but, I mean, he is as responsible for their successes as he is their failures. And if if they can go to Winnipeg and take the North, make the semifinals of the entire league, 
I mean, it, it'll be pretty hard to get rid of him at that point. Regardless of what you think of his entire tenure, it would be very difficult to get rid of him at that point. And, you know, since we're talking about Eaton Crow, since we're talking about Eaton Crow, I have to mention, like I said, after game one, a totoso. A totoso. I wrote an article on April 29th. I'm going to link it in the article for this podcast on Eyes on the Prize. But if you're just listening from Spotify or from Apple or whatever and you don't want to go to the website, that's fine. Just go to Google and Google the Habs could beat the Leafs in the playoffs. Or just the Habs could beat the Leafs. My article, I guarantee you, it's going to be one of the top 10 results. Probably still, even though I wrote it on April 29th. Um, I, I got so much hate for that article. So much hate. A lot of the comments were saying I was delusional, uh, lacking integrity for even daring to say it. I got emails uh, from Habs fans, Leafs fans, saying I'm an idiot. I have one email that I kept, and literally the subject line, it just says, you absolute donkey. And this guy just tore into me, and he's like, I can't believe that you think uh, the Habs could possibly beat the Leafs. They're going to get destroyed if that happens, and you don't know what you're talking about and you know guess what i did know what i was talking about i did i was right a toe to so a goddamn a toe to so hopefully everybody understands my trailer park boys reference there um and i i hate to sit here and just make a podcast try and make it about me this is about the montreal canadians this is about them pulling off an amazing comeback that honestly as much as i believe they could beat the leafs when they went down 3-1 i I thought it was over. I thought it was over. I thought everybody that, you know, messaged me and commented on that article I wrote back in April were going to be right. And I was going to have to sit there and go, oh my God, I can't believe that I have a piece sitting out there on the internet of me saying that this Habs team could beat this Leafs team. And then they go out there and they do this. No, not in these playoffs. Not in these playoffs. Not with this Habs team. They refused to quit. They didn't care that the entire mainstream media predicted them to lose this series. Even uh, Habs reporters, like even Eric Engels said that the Habs were going to lose in seven. They busted everyone's bracket. They busted everyone's bracket, and now they have a tough but winnable series against the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets look pretty scary with how they handled the uh, Edmonton Oilers, but the Habs have had a few games against them during the course of the regular season that make you believe, once again, they could beat them. They could. And the key is that this Habs team will always go as far as Carey Price takes them. And Carey Price is in rare form right now. He cares. He wants to win. He wants to win now. And he does not give a shit that this team isn't a Stanley Cup contender in the eyes of the mainstream media or anyone. Now, I said after Game 6 that this feels a little bit like 1993 and a little bit like 2010 at the same time. Now, those two teams had only one thing in common. They had stellar goaltending. You had St. Patrick in 93, one of the greatest goaltenders to ever play the game. You had Yaroslav Halak in 2010, one of the greatest runs that a goaltender has ever gone on. And what took the 93 team as far as they went is they had a better roster up front. Clearly, a better roster up front than the Habs had in 2010. I think 
that this year's Habs are closer, closer to 93 than they are to 2010 in terms of the talent that they have up front. Now, I'm not trying to say that this team is going to win the Stanley Cup like they did in 1993. I am saying that they are closer in terms of talent to that team than they are to 2010. So we shouldn't just sit here and say, oh, well, they're going to make a run to the conference final and then they're going to lose. We should enjoy this for what it is. An unexpected run with a team that's better than the last team that went on an unexpected run. So anything is possible. That's why you play the games. Uh, Something, something, something. Some other cliches about how anything can happen in the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. The Habs beat the Leafs. That's all you need to know. First time they've played since 1979, and they beat them. We're going to Winnipeg. The bottom six minutes lives on. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, uh, Megaphone, and I am on Twitter at DrakeMT. We're going to keep this podcast going uh, for sure for as long as the Habs permit me to continue making this uh, podcast for the course of the playoffs. I will continue to make it. Uh, today's episode running around oh, almost 17 minutes, so c'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. Thank you for listening, and I can't believe I get to say this. À la prochaine! Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.